Wonder Boy. Can you hear me? I hear you. Can you see me? I see you. <laughs> And that's the voice of UFC welterweight Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. And I'm Chris Weidman. This is Won't Back Down, presented by Bio Accelerator. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is one of the best karate and kickboxers that the world has ever seen. He is undefeated in kickboxing karate with a record of 57 and 0 or something like that. And he is a guy that I got to meet as I was preparing for Anderson Silva. I brought him in to help me get ready for that type of stand-up uh, work, and he helped me so much, and then we became so close, and next thing you know it, his brother married my sister, and now we're considered kind of brother-in-laws, and he is now at the top of the mixed martial arts UFC world in the welterweight division. He is fighting Gilbert Burns on July 10th in the co-main event of Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier trilogy. The winner of that fight, I believe, will be fighting for the title. So it's this is a huge fight for Wonderboy. Um, Wonderboy is also known as the NMF champ in the UFC uh, world, which means the nicest MNFer there is. He owns that belt. Um, he's just such a good dude. He knocks people down. He tries to help them up. But there are some skeletons in his closet. And in this episode, we get right into all that dirty stuff that he didn't want to tell anybody. But it's all hysterical, great stuff, and it's made him who he is today. Uh, so I hope you really enjoy. That's all coming up in a moment. But first, I want to tell you about our presenting sponsor, BioAccelerator. BioAccelerator is the world leader in stem cell therapy and regenerative medical research. Through the use of their powerful golden stem cells, they help patients heal from joint and orthopedic injuries, autoimmune disorders, spine and disc damage, and neurological trauma. I'll be heading out there in the end of August, early September, to get my treatments done. I'm super excited to heal up uh, faster than I ever could have imagined, and I, I hope you guys check out BioAccelerator as well. All right, here's my conversation with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. So everyone always is confused on how we actually know each other and our families, and if you're my brother-in-law or you're my whatever. We're related somehow, and nobody understands how. Can you explain to me and everybody else out there how we met originally and then how we are considered family now? Okay, everybody. Everybody around the world. And listening. I'll just interrupt when you're wrong. Okay. Okay. Listening to the, the podcast. Um, so I don't remember what year it was, but it was right before your first Anderson Silva fight, Chris. Which, what year was that? Oh, 2012. Two was it really 2012? 2013 of July was when I fought him, but I, I think I had you in pretty early yeah. before that. Wow. That was like right after my first fight then. Mm -hmm. So um, how we know, we, how I knew of Chris or how Chris's guys knew of me, I used to go train with GSP. Um, and there was a guy there named John Danaher, which if you're a martial artist or if you follow the jiu-jitsu game, you've heard of this guy. So John Danaher knew that I was pretty good at simulating uh, – I guess other fighters, strikers. So he was working with Chris at the time on his jujitsu and told him about me and brought me in. I think it was me and my dad flew out there to New York. Um, our first sparring session was in law MMA, right? 
Yeah. It, it actually wasn't low MMA at that point. It was, what was you, it called? you were there when it was just Longos. It was International Mixed Martial Arts Academy. Ray Longos, in, yeah, International Mixed Martial Arts Academy. You were okay. there early. So I'm pretty sure that I flew in and went straight to go spar with you. Yeah. I flew yeah. in, went straight into spar, never talked to this guy. We walk in, Chris is like warming up and he had his gear on. He's like, what's up, man? You know, I'm like, hi. <laughs> and so I get my gear on and um, we started to battle. And uh, all I remember Chris doing was trying. He was trying his hardest to drop me with body shots. <laughs> he was trying his hardest to drop me with body shots. I remember after that sparring session, you disengaged something in my lower deepest, darkest bowels of my large intestines. Cause I remember going to the bathroom after that. Like when I got back to the hotel, it was amazing actually. So it was better than any kind of smooth move. Lactic, you know, X laxative. Yeah. It was amazing. But, uh, but yeah, I, I felt like you were trying pretty hard to get me out of the cage. Yeah, and it was no, there was, it's not because I didn't like you or anything. It was just, you didn't know me. We didn't, I didn't even talk. know you. We went I, straight into sports. I just remember Danaher saying how good you were. And I know your record was like 100 and 0 in kickboxing. I don't, I think, it, what was it really? 67 and 0? 57 and 0. 57 and 0, sorry. And, uh, and I'm like, all right. So this guy walks in the gym. And, and to be honest, at that time, like whoever I sparred, I was just, you know, my goal was to try to defeat them. <laughs> <laughs> they had to either quit due to leg kicks, do the body shots, or like a big shot to the head, and then they call and sparring. Like otherwise, I felt like I was losing. Oh. It was it's like that wrestling mindset where it's like in practice, your goal is to just mentally and physically beat this guy until like he wants to give up, and like your coaches would be proud of you. Yeah. But then when you get into fighting and sparring, you don't really like if you keep that same mindset, it's pretty stupid because you you kind of hurt everybody that you you're training with. But I didn't know anybody at that point, so you walk in the door, and I'm like this kid is going to be the guy I'm going with. Like at that point, I was just killing everybody. I'm like, I'm going to kill this. This is, I'm going to actually kind of feel bad. He's so nice. He's look how he's good looking kid. He's like smaller than me. I'm like, this is, this is going to be bad. And then what I remember is I remember trying to take you out with body shots too, but nothing was bothering you. You still were smiling and hot and just, just, you know, high five uh, around high five and then asking if I'm okay or whatever. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? He, <laughs> he was being too nice. It pissed me off and there's nothing I could do about it. Oh. And I was like, man, this kid is the real deal. It just hit me right there. Like you were so good. And I've never felt anything like that before. And then also on top of it, you were tough as hell, even though you didn't look like it. I'm like, this is my man. Like I instant, like respect, instant respect. For, I think for the both of us. And well, that's kind of where the friendship. Yeah. I heard that you were, you had, you had sent some sparring partners home. <laughs> or back to wherever they came from like a week before i even got there i was like what yeah. the heck am i getting myself into but afterwards yeah i still have that picture of right after that sparring session with cj he was like three years old or two or something like that yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah. my god and how old is he now he's he was like, no he was like one he was, was like he one? one he was he was a complete baby cassie was like two or three which is crazy dang god man that was but it that, seemed like it seemed like it was yesterday i know it's crazy so it's such I, good time. So, I, mean, I love talking to your dad after the sparring. Like he loved anytime I did good against you, like that's what you're supposed to do. Like your, your dad would be trying to cheer. He was like cheering for me. Cheering you on for me to get beat. I'm like, what the heck? He's always he, that way. Because he knows he he knows it's gonna make you better. You know, so I remember, like, he, I remember you're like kicking the crap out of me. Dad's like, hey, if he's not gonna do anything about it, kick him again. <laughs> kick him again in the leg. If yeah. he's not gonna sit there and block it, 
kick him again. <laughs> yeah, as a, as opposed to some other guys I've st- sparred and like some big name guys, and I'm I leg kicked them, and the coach would be like, "Come on, man, like that, it's ridiculous. This is sparring." And then on the opposite side, it's your dad who's like, "Kick him harder, <laughs> take his legs out, take him out." I'm not gonna check it. That's his fault. So uh, after that, after that, you brought me back for the second fight, yep. and then and then uh, Leo Tomachita. Mm-hmm. And over time, I believe, I think it was the Leo Tomachita. We started to get, we started to get closer. Tony came out mm-hmm. for, for the Leo Tomachita one, or was it a Vitor Belfort? Do you remember? One, one of them. Yeah. It's either, either Leo Tomachita fight or Vitor. I think it was Leo too. So Tony wanted bro- to come and hang out. Yeah. Right? Tony, Tony's his brother. Just so you guys yeah. know. Yeah. Tony's my younger brother. Younger, but bigger brother. Way bigger. Yeah. And super athletic. You may know him as Sweet T. Very talented. Super Dude, smart. I don't get it. Yeah, he's very smart, very talented, but he doesn't want to fight. It really pisses me off. He's got yeah. more talent than I have, but yet he doesn't want to do anything with it. He's like, ah, and in, in the, the one in the in the Wonder Boy family, he's a loser because what, a, what a lose. I know. <laughs> what, if you're a loser if you don't fight or if you get knocked out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, they, tough to, it's, it's tough living over there. Only the tough survives. Jeez, it is tough. I love it. Wait, keep going. So, so Tony, Tony wanted to come out and just hang out for a bit. So I asked you, you're like, yeah, man, cool. Tony come flies in, gets in. We end up hanging out at your house by the pool, just chilling. Uh, And then I think we were smoking a pipe at one point. Yeah. I don't know. Somehow I got into like smoking pipes, like legit pipes. Because I had like an uncle one time. I was at a party and he was smoking yeah, you a pipe did, and you I had literally this vanilla just went flavor. Got a pipe for that. For that. Yeah. For that and, I, and, I, and I think that was the last time I smoked it. Was that day with yeah, you? Yeah, that once and only time. Usually that happens because you get sick afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I, I was immediately tore up after that. I was sick yeah. as a dog. Yeah. But anyway, we ended up hanging out, and then that's how you knew of Tony. And then it was probably. Maybe a year. I think of the Vitor Belford fight. I ended up staying at your house. That was the first time I stayed at your house before you had set me up, put me up at a hotel. I came to stay with you. Uh, I, I trusted you enough to be in my house with my exactly, children at that point. Yeah. Exactly. Or my and wife it, trusted you enough. Me. I, yeah, it was I'm, all about your yeah, wife. Yeah. And that's how she, y'all figured out that anytime I come over to your house, you got to have ice cream, vanilla ice cream, and root beer because yep. I'm constantly eating root beer floats. <laughs> Yeah. Even during camp, even during fight camp, I mean, I'm drinking root beer floats. So you knew to stock up the the, the house with that. But uh, yeah. And then next thing you know, my brother ends up meeting. Well, it was it was Marivi and my mom that kind of like my wife and your mom. Yeah, that kind of set that I think it started out with Marivi. Yeah. And Marivi wanted just saw that happening. It was like the, the perfect the perfect setup between my brother and your sister. Yeah. And I remember the, I remember the time we came out to make that happen. Remember that? <laughs> so my great adventure. It was so Kevin obvious. James's house. No. Oh, it was, yeah, oh, it was both. We had some funny moments oh, with that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We went to Kevin James's house, Kevin James, the actor for his son's birthday. We're out there jumping on, um, what is it? Blow ups. The blow, yeah, the big blow up things, the big and blow zip line. Ups, riding dirt bikes, and all Tony's doing is trying to, trying to woo, do Operation Sweeper off her feet with Colleen. And Colleen couldn't stand them at no, this point. No, she did not. She like wanted it. nothing to do with them. And he was like, he wasn't eating all day. Like we had all this God. great food. He was like sick to his stomach because he just like he was lovesick. <laughs> 
He was and so at this lovely. point, and just just to clear it up, like I I never would let any guy talk to my sister. I would never be a part of anybody. You were protected. That up with my, I was super protective of my sister, and my brother was even worse than me. My older brother, and uh, but it got to the point where my sister is such an amazing girl, love her to death. Like she's literally like an angel. And then I had to be like, you know what? She is 25 years old at this point. I might as well be okay with she has a boyfriend. And uh, and then on top of it, Tony was just such a good dude. And I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to let the reins loose on one, this would be the guy to do it with. And um, I am happy, happy it worked out. Yeah, yeah. Next awesome. thing you know, she's moving down south and they get married. That was an epic situation, like an epic moment. Because we, me, you, your brother was... He's the one that married him. Mm-hmm. Me and you were sitting there as a groomsman. And I look over. And as soon as that music started coming out, I look over. I'm trying to hold back tears. I don't know why, but your body just knows to cry during weddings. Like, I'm trying not to cry. I was fine up until yeah. that point. And so the, and I look over at you and your ball and your ball. You're just letting it rip. I'm, I'm the worst. You're just letting it rip. And then I couldn't sister. hold it. I'm like balling too. I'm like, oh. Yeah, it was great. That was that was fun wedding. That was fun. We had some good dance offs. Um, yeah. If anybody had any uh, thoughts on like who was a better dancer between me and Wonder Boy, Wonder Boy's got it. Wonder Boy and his brother Tony both can dance. Now I do okay. have rhythm. I could dance to a beat, but I don't have moves like they do. Chris, Being in the karate school as long as he's been in the karate school, this Chris lives got right all here. the trendy. I'm right there. I live in that box. Yep. <laughs> I don't sway my head's. That's it. Head's going with the with the beat. Yeah, going the beat. I'm good to go. You know, if I have a little bit too much to drink, I may start opening up, feeling a little confident, a little popping, a lot crazy. Yeah, but uh, if you see videos of it, I get very embarrassed, um, <laughs> and I realize I suck. But you, you got some good dance moves, bro. You, you got know, some really good dance. I play moves. around with it a little bit. I play around with it. You know, I, I, I'm I'm always kept up with the new dance moves with all the kids and stuff teaching the kids classes they're always is there like a new one now? dances no it's all about tiktok now tiktok dances guys gotcha. I, i'm not into all that i can't because it changes like every day there's a new tiktok dance there's, right there's so it's new, hard yeah, to something new. there's not something like a new. one that's constantly trending yeah, yeah there's there's i like your setup in the back by the way thanks man i uh i didn't have the belt there until my wife was like you know what? you should probably put the belt in the back so I yeah right there. i think the most important belt is the nmf Back here. Oh, oh the NMF. So let's talk, let's, let's talk about the NMF belt. All right. You have so, the UFC title, and we're talking about the NMF belt. No, okay. listen, what's more important? NMF belt. There's no question. It's it's Stop there's it. one and only NMF belt, and you have it, and uh, it's a privilege to be on here with you today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, let's talk about your attitude and how nice you are because we gotta we gotta bring it up. So you are you really do have like I, I feel like I have a pretty good positive outlook on life i'm always pretty happy go lucky but you take it to a whole nother level where does that come from wonder boy like all day long you're in the karate school give, give me a little bit about give me your day and then how you feel like your attitude maybe is created because of that or just yeah if you don't have a positive attitude you probably won't get through the day period you probably will not get through the day for one because you know especially during the summer i'm there sometimes three days a week at 7 a.m. Um, <clears throat> even even if I have a camp, like a fight camp, I've got a fight coming up, I'm still there at 7 a.m. because we have karate camps during the day, right? So I'm a huge part of our my family's school, upstate karate in Simpsonville. I'm teaching the kids' classes. You know, during the school year, I'm picking up kids from school. I'm driving a short bus. On top of that, training 
you know, around my teaching. And in the summertime, it's even more busy because kids are dropped off at seven. We have karate camp all day long. We take the kids to the water park, bowling, just doing crazy stuff. And I'm, you know, I find time around that to train two, sometimes three times a day. So I'm there from 7 a.m. and I don't leave. And it's nonstop, nonstop until about 9 30, 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> just just catering to, you know, to kids, teaching kids, parents, talking to parents, nonstop. And if you're not, if you're not used to it, man, you you will you will go down pretty quick. I've been I've been teaching since I was, golly, probably 14 years old, doing this for a long time. So it's it's I don't know any different yeah. at this point. I don't know any different. But and you were I love it. You're so good at it too. It's not like you're just going, you're not just in the, in the gym and or in the school with the kids and just kind of going through the motions. You literally, you, you put everything into it. You love it. Like when you're with those kids, you're lighting up and you're, you're changing their days. It's, it is crazy to see while you got a fight coming up, maybe the next you know week, you know, just like you, just like you got right now, like yeah, with this huge fight coming up and you're still in the gym. And, and I gotta be honest, like you killed me with this. Like I'm, this is still a big argument with me and my wife now, because I used to hang out with people that like they would go away for their training camp, get away from their family. And all they did every single day was eat, sleep and whatever crap out MMA. You know, that's all they focused on. And yeah. um, then me and you start getting close. And my wife's like, well, I ruin it for you? <laughs> working all day long at this karate school. There's no breaks. And then he trains in between like, you know, some moments there. And, uh, and he's, you know, crushing it. You know, he's world level. He's a world level guy. And I'm like, uh yeah but that one the boys different you know i don't know i can't do that that's, that's trying crazy. to get you He's out there his whole life that's not happening you know <laughs> need a break babe can't can't do certain things gotta focus on fighting but um, you do you have to have a, a a positive mindset because number one you know I'm, I'm teaching these kids every day and they know real quick they know real quick how you're feeling just your vibe and that's kids for you you know they know if you're if you're feeling down or your energy levels low, they pick up on that. And sometimes you can see them kind of follow your, how you're feeling. You know what I mean? So you got to keep that positive, that positive mindset. And that's, that's something that I've kept with me throughout my life. As you know, it's just who I am at this point. You can, you can talk all the trash to me you want. And I'll just sit there and smile at you. It's like, I don't know. I, I have this mindset. Life's too short. And I've, I've known a lot of people in my life who aren't here anymore. And, and you know how fast that can go away, you know? Yeah. And it's just too short to just be holding grudges, man. And just being mean. I know people who literally are that way and it's just a sad way to live, I think. Yeah. But when you're in the octagon, like whether it's sparring or whether it's uh whether it's an actual fight, are there moments in there where you're like, I'm going to rip this guy's face off right now? Or you, I, I mean, you're always helping them up. You kick them to the, it always kills me when you like side kick them to the ground or, you know, front kick them to the ground. And then you try to help them up as opposed to jumping all over them and try to finish them. Or you rock them, they fall and you're like, oh, hey, you need help up? Like, bro, finish the fight. What are you doing? And I know your dad's going nuts. Like, uh, or saying, like, I mean, you have, I know I'm going to bring up some moments where I've seen you a little upset, but is there that tenacity in a fight? Do you have like where, all right, it's time to like crush this guy, even though it may not appear like you have that in your head. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I have that mindset anytime I step out there, like before I step out there and you know, what mindset, what's your, what, what is your my mindset, mindset to a fight? 
number one, you know, I'm thinking in my head, obviously I'm always telling, I'm telling the truth here because, you know, you want to tell everybody like, Oh, I'm going to go out there and crush this guy. You know, ah, I'm going to go out there. But really you're like, Oh my gosh, dude, I'm nervous as crap. You know? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna beat this guy. You know, this is going to yeah. my, but at the same time, you're like, oh, I'm so, oh god, I'm just so scared, man. I don't want to walk out there right now. Yeah, but I got to. I made it to this point. I can't leave now, so I got to go do this. Yeah, and um, but when I when I get in the cage, it all disappears. And during camp, that's my mindset. I'm going to crush this guy. I'm going to beat this guy, no matter what this guy does. To me, I'm going to fight through it. I'm going to beat it. I'm going to beat him. And that's kind of like the mindset you have to have going in there. You know, when I fought Matt Brown, like I was getting the crap. Well, I was in some really tough situations. Even when I fought Tyron, I made a pact kind of in here that I wasn't going to give up. That I'm, I'm going to take all the punishment in the world. But if they beat me, they're going to remember me. They're not going to want to fight me again. Even if even if they beat me, I'm going to give them that much trouble. Um, but kind of that, that's kind of like my mindset during camp. Now, when I'm out there, the reason I, I hit these guys or they trip up and fall is I don't want the slippery, the slipping slipperiness of the canvas is the reason that I won the fight. Yeah. Me stepping on their foot, them falling down is the reason that they want that, that I won the fight. You know, it's like, don't take that honor for me. I want to beat these guys at their best. So stay, get back up and let's do it again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I mean, when I was younger, when I was full of testosterone, yeah, I had that mindset. I would get hit and that would just, that would piss me off. Yeah. That would make me so mad. Anytime somebody hit me, even, even in sparring, I was that way. You know, you hit me one time, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you back. Yeah. But as I got no, as I've gotten older, it's like, why, why be that way? You know what I mean? Why I don't have to put myself in that situation to beat this guy. You know, I can do it with a smile on my face. And at the same time, you know, maybe the person I'm fighting will learn something as well. Do you feel like um, when you're smiling at them and you're, you know, talking nice to them in the octagon, do you feel like, is there a part of you that does it to know that it's getting in their head? Like you possibly, it's, I mean, it's such a mind game in, in the fight is a part of you also doing it knowing like he doesn't know how to handle dealing with such a nice guy inside the octagon, because usually even in sparring things get heated more than they get nice. Yeah. Well, at first, I didn't think so. But after my last fight with Jeff Neal, it rubbed off on him. Yeah. You know, at, he started being first, nice to you. He started being nice to me. I'm like, he I ended up falling down and I was like, oh, man, come on, get back up. He got back up. You know, we bumped gloves. And then I think it was the second or third round. I ended up falling down and he let me back up. We bumped gloves. He's like, respect, man. I'm like, respect, dude. Yeah. You know, and then we were at. We were having conversations out there in the cage and he had me up against the fence. He's like, Whoo, man, I'm tired, man. I was like, I was like, you know, let's go, man, let's go. No, or something. No, he dropped his mouthpiece out of his mouth. And I was like, hey man, pick that up. You know, you get that. He's like, thanks, man. He's like, man, I'm tired. But I was like, yes, let's keep fighting. <laughs> we just kept fighting. Oh, uh, it was the ready, weirdest thing. Ready, go. Yeah, ready, said, go. And uh, dude, yeah, it just rubs off on him. I don't know why. I don't know why I do so that. You, you said your mind's my, your mindset changed after the Matt Brown fight or no, no. So not as I got, as I've gotten older, it, it has become that way. It has become to the point where it is now where I walk out with a smile on my face. Cause I've realized I can beat these guys and not be mad. Yeah. You know, and it makes me feel better. Yeah. It makes me feel better, especially afterwards that I did it in a respectful way. 
you know, that I didn't have to sit there and like, you know, me mug this dude because, and, and on top of that, I've seen guys try and be that bad guy before the fight and they just end up getting crushed and it makes them look bad. Yeah. You know, I don't want, I don't want, if I want to get knocked out, number one, it's already embarrassing Two, you know, you're, you're trying to be this, this hard ass before, and then you get knocked out and it's even worse because it didn't work. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so right now you're in a training camp to fight Gilbert Burns, yes. uh, co-main event on a Conor McGregor card, huge card. I wanted to be on this card with you so badly. And then obviously my leg broke in half, no. but um, it's a huge opportunity for you. I think you win this fight, you're in title contention and some big paydays and uh, just sky's the limit, you know? And so where are you at with training and uh, how you feeling for this one and what's your expectations? I feel great, man. Weight's coming down. I've got this week and then we head out. So basically two weeks before I step out in the octagon. Yeah. Um, and I feel good. I feel fast. I feel strong. Uh, my cardio levels up as at this point, we're just, work, we're just uh, working on cardio, maybe doing some drills, some situational stuff. The thing, the things that we might think that Gilbert Burns is going to try and do during the fight. Yeah. Um, of course, I didn't have you in for this camp. It's all right. But, uh, my soul was with you. My spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your spirit was with. You. So I had some some guys come in to simulate him. Some really strong guys come in. Had a Penn State guy named Geno's come out and just shoot, shoot, and shoot, and shoot. God, it's ridiculous. Y'all wrestlers are strong as an ox. <laughs> this dude, his name is Geno. Super nice guy. Awesome, and he's out of uh, uh, I think Austin or Houston, Texas, I believe. But he wrestled for Penn State. <clears throat> um, he's going over to MMA. Why am I blurry right now? Yeah, there you go. Wow, you know how to refocus. Ah, I, I think you did it. That happened oh, to me once too. Really? Did you figure that out? I figured it out. I did the same thing. Great minds think alike. <laughs> but this guy was awesome, man. He, he gave me a get, definitely gave me a good look. Uh, he's moving over to MMA as well. But uh, um, had Ryan Hall come in at the beginning of the camp as well, of course. But Right now, it's just focusing on cardio, keeping that cardio level up. I want to know that I can go out there and do the hardest three, five-minute rounds possible. Yeah. I learned that from the grind, from working out with you, from training with you. You, I've trained with a lot of champions, right? Rashad Evans, you know, Nate Marquardt was a champion at one point in another organization. You know, George St. Pierre, yourself, Anderson Silva, Leota Machida. But what I've got from you is, is your is your grind that you have, that mindset that you're going to break people. And no matter how tired you get, you continue to keep pushing forward. And uh, I learned that from Dave, like the first sparring session with you, how you just try and break people and watching you fight. And that's the mind of it, that, that a champion's got to have. And I try and keep that with with me every time I, every time I have a, a, a sparring session. I could be in the worst shape of my life. But whoever I'm sparring with, my goal is to try and break them. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, obviously in a different skill set, you use your, you know, the wrestling, the pressure. I try and use my my movement and things like that, the ability to 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 move and break them that way. But that mindset's awesome, man. It's it's unbelievable. So it's it's helped me through everything. And that's something that I learned. I think one of the biggest things that I learned from you was that. I, and I will say that's, I, I appreciate that, but I will say one of the things that are probably overlooked about you more than anything, everybody knows about how fast you are and how dynamic you are on your feet, but people don't notice enough how tough you are and how unbreakable you are. Um, 
whether it's our sparring sessions and I'm doing everything I possibly can to break in and literally 99.9% of the people break, there's no break in you. You always get back up to your feet, whether if I take you down, you're back to up, up to your feet and you got that same bounce on, on your feet and you're still just as dangerous and dynamic as you are in the first round in the third round. Um, and that's why I think between how athletic you are, how good you are on your feet, and also how much better you got with takedown defense over the years and your jujitsu. Um, I think right now is your time to shine where you're going to make a run and, and get that title fight and win the belt. And it's going to be some huge moments for you because I just think Gilbert Burns, for example, he is a strong, you know, grappler, short, stocky, you know, swings heavy. Um, you've gone against guys like that your whole life, guys who are just trying to take your head off because you're annoying to fight. You're so fast and your distance control is something that other that people just can't get a hang of and they get very frustrated and confused and they just want to take your head off. So you're so good against guys like that. And then now with your takedown defense on top of it, and even if you get do get taken down, the fact that like to submit you is almost impossible. We saw that with the Tyron Woodley fight. You know, the guy had your neck twisted, <laughs> twisted in ways <laughs> that the neck should not be twisted. And people got a glimpse of how tough you are and your submission uh, defense. But then when you get back up to your feet, you're still that same dangerous guy. And as a fighter to be stuck on your feet with a guy like you, it's, it's a scary feeling because they've seen all the knockouts. They know all the different moves you could do. And when you're, when you're bouncing and they're trying to cover distance by plotting, like most guys do, they yeah. kind of plot forward. You just have such an advantage on them, which I learned. I didn't realize the whole karate stance and the bouncing, like your whole style. I didn't, I didn't understand until we first sparred. And then right away, I was like, instant respect. I try to do it all the time ever since, ever since for such a long time. I haven't really had the balls to do it too much in fights yet. I was planning on doing it in this last fight because it really is a lot of what I do in sparring too. As you, dude, as you, know. you do it a lot. Dude. Yeah, I'm I like, love what it. the heck? Why don't you do this in the fight? You know what I mean? I know. I know. And then at the same time, I'm like, you better beat this guy because if you go out there, you know, moving like a party guy, people are going to blame <laughs> it's me. It's one of the boys' fault. <laughs> it's all your fault. Yeah. But yeah, um, it, it's definitely a, a tough. I guess skill set to prepare for, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's very difficult. You got to bring in guys. And it's funny because everybody brings in the same guy, you know, Raymond Daniels. Bringing yeah, the same. Yeah. Like, I feel like I should get like a percentage of whatever they're paying him because yeah, I know. he's going out every time. You gave him a career. You gave him yeah. a career. Helped him with, you know, that Roy McDonald brought him out. Tyron Woodley brought him out. Gilbert Burns has him now. Oh, he has him out too. Yeah. I had him out there for a little bit. Oh man. So, We'll see. Well, what happened with karate guys stick together? You know what I'm saying? I haven't helped anybody get ready for him. Come on. Come on, Raymond Daniels. Come on, Raymond Daniels. You guys are going to have to fight it out at one point. <laughs> you have to go back to karate style. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, um, first of all, Raymond Daniels is awesome. His spinning back yeah. kicks are unbelievable. But you are so, from both sides, you're so diverse and you have such like strong techniques and you got power. Um it doesn't make know. a difference. I don't think it, it really matters. Like uh, we, we, have, we, we have such a different style. It's different different until style. you step out there until you I step agree. out there and actually feel it. It's, it's different. It's way different. Yeah. So, I, I would hate to fight you. I would hate to like sparring you after all these years. I'm not afraid to get in. Like I, 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 I know what it feels like. It's not as a scary thing for me, but the first couple of times to, to spar with you was super scary because you've never felt anything like it. There's nobody else that could replicate what you do. And then all of a sudden to be thrown into a fight with you, um, that's a scary thing for these guys. You know, no matter what their background is, they know that there's this unknown. With everybody else, there's really not too many unknowns. 
You know, like you have great Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts to go with. You know, I mean, there's tons of them. They're, they're all over the place. There's, you know, there's great wrestlers everywhere. But there's not really anybody who moves like you that people could bring in and to really replicate you the right way, um, where they're going to feel comfortable like it's just another fight once they get in there. That's such a huge advantage. Yeah, you're starting to see, you know, more and more people kind of using some of the karate things. Oh, yeah. You know, the sidekick, the sideways stance. I know Henry Cejudo, before he retired, was doing that sideways stance, you know, that karate kind of movement style. He had kind of converted over to that. But it takes, it does, it takes a long time to be able to, well, you know, you've been doing it for since 2012, right? Yeah. The movement. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, 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 yep, yep. It's very difficult to get very to, difficult. To, to learn and then be able to do that in a real situation, right? So, you know, I, I feel like in MMA, you're trying to learn the wrestling, the, the, the boxing or, or Muay Thai, whatever you're doing, and the jiu-jitsu so fast that you're not really focused on the detail of the striking, right? Yeah. Or just yeah. one part of one aspect yeah. of it. So you don't get those small details of what make it. Yeah. People, people tend to like pick and choose. They'll be like, all right, I'm going to be a boxer and a wrestler, you know? And so they're going to be, you know, hands up real tight and plot forward as opposed to being a a complete mixed martial artist, which is that karate stance and and the way you're able to move on your feet um, is whether it's something that you got to do, you're going to do all the time. I think it's something that everybody should have in the repertoire to be able to bring that up, bring that out in, in a fight. Because you never know if that's going to be something that's going to win you the fight, something that you know that like your opponent's going to feel uncomfortable with. Um, You got to be a ninja. You got to be. I also think it starts with coaches. There's a lot of old school coaches. They see that and they're like, ah, you know, you're going to get leg kicked or you're going to, you know, whatever excuse they got that you shouldn't be in that sideways stance and you shouldn't be able to move like that. Or don't don't want to do what it takes to be able to work with somebody both sides. Like I know a lot of guys who want to do mid work. The guy has to keep a certain side forward. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. They don't, they're not, they don't want to take, you know, have to deal with it takes to be able to switch sides and have to deal with somebody switching sides and doing mitts. Yeah. I think you got to be open-minded and, and not be afraid of being creative. And especially in practice, if you're just starting out MMA, like you need to work everything. Like, don't yeah. be afraid to, you don't want to be winning every single sparring session when you're just starting out because you're doing what comes most natural to you. You should like open it up and like try new things. You know, watch Wonder Boy fight, watch, you know, George St. Pierre fight, watch other guys fight and take, pick and choose different things from each guy and just try it. And it may not be pretty, but like you'll get better and better and better. That's what I've done, man. I, I used to go back and watch all the Muhammad Ali fights and Roy Jones Jr. I would watch that dude constantly and learn just, just with my hands. Cause he moved like a karate guy. He would, the way he would cover distance and stuff. So does Mayweather. There's some boxers that do it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, those guys, even, even Anderson Silva kind of did a little bit of that, the karate move you saw in his last boxing match. He's sitting there doing pulling strikes and things like that. He looked great. He looked, you watch that fight. He he looked, yeah, I watched it. I thought he looked unbelievable. First of all, it was one of the things that people want to talk about. He he yeah. had a weigh-in at 182 pounds, which was the wow. lightest he's ever had a weigh-in at. Um, I think he looked better than ever. Yeah. Um, he looked his fast. Movement, I mean, that's a world champion boxer, and he yeah. he put a clinic on that guy. There was no way that was a split decision. Did you actually see the full fight or just some of the I, highlights? No, I saw a bunch of the clips, but yeah, whatever yeah. I saw, it was Anderson Silva just piecing him up. Yeah, he dominated. I was like, man, are they going to really steal this from him? I thought how, they were going to steal it from him. How many rounds? Uh, I think it? eight or ten. Eight. 
Eight, I think. If eight I rounds. Eight or ten. Dang, he was he was piecing them up. He was old Anderson Silva. Great cardio. He, yeah, back in the corner. Come on, man, right yeah. here. Let's go. I loved it. I literally <laughs> was dying. And now we're new friends. You know, after he came on my podcast, and so now I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now I'm Anderson Silva's biggest fan, rooting for him. That and I great. think it's a great time. You know, being him right now in this market with all the YouTubers and the TikTokers Boxing, and everything, and making money, these, man. Boxers are just crushing it. So I'm happy for him. He's going to be making some huge paydays. I think he did really good in this last one. So um, what's next, Roy Jones for him? I think so. I think I Roy Jones Roy, Jr. Heard, yeah. They've been talking about fighting since like when Anderson Silva was the face of the UFC and still champion. They were talking about doing like a, a one-off Roy Jones Jr. Really? I would love Dude, to see that. I would too. And I say Anderson Silva wins. Did you watch oh, yeah. Tyson Roy Jones Jr.? Yeah, did not did not impress me, Roy Jones, at me all. Either. And I'm a huge Roy Jones Jr. fan too. <laughs> me too. But. He he's put on some pounds. Yeah. The pounds yeah. definitely slowed him down for sure. Yes. And Anderson looked lean and mean, man. Yeah. Still just as lean. quick, confident. Still a ninja out there. At what, 40? How old is he? 46 or 44. What? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Um, all right. So Gilbert Burns, tell me, what, what's your thoughts? What's your thoughts on Gilbert Burns? Well, number one, he's it's, it's like preparing for Rory McDonald all over again. He's very well-rounded. He's knocked people out. Or Johnny Hendricks, excuse me, Johnny Hendricks getting ready for him. Yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's a shorter guy, shorter reach. He can't explode. Um, he's got heavy hands. Um, he's got a good check, left check hook, which he knocked out Damian Maya with. And, of course, he's got phenomenal jiu-jitsu. Will I ever be as good at him at Brazilian jiu-jitsu? I don't think so. I think but when you're every, 85 yeah, and, and he's – uh, He's not doing it anymore. <laughs> You're so, gonna outlive so everybody, so. so no, I will. I will outlive yeah. everybody. That's yeah. the plan. You're still a little kid, so doesn't change. At heart, I am. Yeah, yeah, I am. Chris knows. Chris Even knows. Though you're you're way older than me. You don't look like it. So well, when we hang out, I you're a kid as well. Yeah, I, can't, I think I bring, bring, bring it out of you. You're very good at bring making making adults into children. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. It sounds kind of weird. But. And one the boy hates talking <laughs> about Gilbert Burns right now, just so everybody knows, he does not like talking. I'm trying about everything fighting I can and, to change the subject. Like he just went right into like taint, changing me <laughs> into a little kid. <laughs> Whatever. Let's. But he's let's good. Go. He's good. Um, every fight starts standing up. Every fight starts standing up. I'm confident in that. I, I'm not expecting a knockout. I'm prepared for a three five minute round war. And I always visualize my hand being raised at the end of the fight. Like I know at this point, I've done everything I can to prepare for this, you know, and, and win or lose. I'm happy with that. You know, that I prepare, if I didn't prepare myself and I didn't put in the work, then I'll have a reason to be upset. Yeah. You know, and that's something also that I've learned as I've gotten a little older as well is yeah, the title is awesome, but, but bettering yourself now, I think it's, it's more about trying to be the best person that I can be. And in doing that, you know, could work for the title, could get you the title. But mm -hmm. as of right now, it's just making myself better. That's like, that's my number one goal. A lot of guys see the goal, see the, the title being the ultimate thing, which in my, my eyes, it's bettering myself mm. is the ultimate thing that, and that will come in doing so. Yeah, and I think that's a, a great like mentality for a fighter to have just to deal with all the pressure because there's so much yeah. pressure when you walk inside the octagon. If you make it the biggest deal ever and you put so much pressure on yourself during camp, 
I think the moment would become too big. But for you just to be focused on yourself and working on everything that you could control and whatever happens, happens at the end of the day is going to happen. Uh, you know, it's God's yeah. plan and you're going to move on. Like I think is the best way to just go into a fight. You know, yeah. there's no pressure on you. You did everything, you, everything in, that you can control during camp. Right. And then and I, yeah, I learned that the hard way too. you know, the Anthony Pettis fight, you know, did everything I could to prepare for the fight was, was doing everything like I was supposed to do during the fight. And then even though I was beating him, ended up getting, getting knocked out. It's like, you know, didn't see it coming. Just didn't see it. You know, it's, I did everything I could, did everything right. But my mindset for that one was just, you know, hey, now I, I don't have to worry about it anymore. I've, I know what it feels like to get knocked out and I can just go out there and fight. Yeah. You know, yeah. it wasn't that bad. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I, I'll never forget. You were there. I, I, you I don't know if you remember how it happened because you oh asked me a gosh. thousand times. <laughs> all I remember, I know, all I remember it was these sparklies fading away. Like, you know, when you stand up too fast, yeah, yeah. it was like that. And then you're sitting there smiling at me. Like you asked me the same question 20 times, Steven, don't ask me again. I know. Like, so no, I remember the doctor, like low key, barely remember the doctor asking me questions and yeah. you're helping me cheat with the answers. Yeah. They're like, do you know what day it is? I'm like, ah, oh. like, come on, Steven, you know what today it is. It's not Friday. It's I'm like, like Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> wait the like fight was in cheat on a test where was the fight nashville or yeah nashville yeah yeah nashville. so that's what <laughs> uh so we're in the back and he keeps asking over so we're in the back and the doctors are examining him and they're trying to decipher like how bailey hurt he is and i'm with him his dad was out like talking to his, like the commission or something and so it's just me and wonder boy in the back and he keeps asking the doctors and me wait, what happened? And I'm like, so I'm the only one talking to him. So I'm like, um, Steven, you were dominating the fight second round. Like you had him pushing against the cage and he hit you with a Superman punch. And you know, that was it. You're like, what? He hit me with a Superman punch. Oh. <laughs> and then like literally right from that to wait, what did I, what happened? I'm like, yo, so you, you went in the whole entire fight. You looked amazing. And the second round happened. You had him pushed against the fence and like he hit you with the Superman punch. And I'm trying not to laugh or anything. I, it's a terrible That's moment. It. And then you're like, he knocked me out with a Superman punch. <laughs> oh my God. He's like, wait, wait, what happened? Oh my I'm like, God. yo, like a broken Steve, record. Steven, stop asking me this question. The doctor's looking at me. <laughs> They're like, Steven, do you know where you are right now? And you're like, ah. No, I'm like, Stephen, we're very close to where you live. Where do you live? And you're like, Simpsonville. Like, what state? South Carolina. Okay. Like one of the states next to South Carolina. <laughs> <He's helping me. laughs> He's helping and he couldn't get out of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, it was, it we'll was probably never, it was funny to talk about it after the fact. And I Stephen, it was obviously funny he's cool. He's, he's funny as hell. Like obviously losses happen. We've all been there. He knows. I know what it feels like. So I'm not making fun of him. Because it's not fun to be in that situation, but it's just funny how the body reacts. It's great. And I'm like, bro, stop. I don't want you to like, they're going to send you to the hospital forever. It's okay. I, we talk about this all the time. Like every time like fights come up, I'm talking about myself getting knocked out. So I know. I yeah. So like people think I'm, I, people may think I'm like picking on you right now, but I'm not, I'm, this is just no. usual talk between us. Um, so wait, before I, I want to get into some funny stuff. Okay. Um, but before we do that, the whole like one of the premises of this podcast is talking to people that overcame adversity and 
and uh, have had a positive outlook and uh, are doing great now. And you do have that story. I don't think it's been told too many times with your ACL and, and your whole knee. And that was pre even fighting. Can you go into like that a little bit and how you were able to overcome that uh, situation? Yeah. So um, this was probably about 15 years ago, 2005, 2006. I was fighting uh, Raymond Daniels uh, in the World Combat League. And that first 30 seconds in the first round ended up tearing every ligament in my left leg tore everything. And this was, this was, I look at it as kind of a blessing in disguise. And I'll, I'll get into that in a second, but ended up tearing everything, all the CLs. Um, they took 40% of my meniscus out. And I remember being at the doctor and then telling me I'll probably never fight again. So before that kind of rewind, I was fighting every weekend, kickboxing. I've been doing that since I was 15 years old fighting every weekend it felt like and i was getting burnt out with fighting and i and it was a uh, a time where i didn't really know how to bring it to my dad because my dad's been in my corner he sacrificed so much for me this guy to be able to fight and i just didn't know how to tell him i didn't want to do it anymore so it came as a blessing in that like it it got me in a situation where i was out for three years and it kind of rekindled that flame but I think what really did it was that doctor telling me I would probably never fight again. Um, as soon as I heard that, it was a challenge for me. It was like, no, it's not. this is not going to be the reason why I don't fight again. It's not going to happen. And me at the time, man, I was, I like, I was a different person when it came to uh, athletics. I was just, you know, cutting backflips and stuff off of houses. I was doing some crazy stuff, man, crazy stuff. You are a freak. And I, I can't do that stuff anymore. You know what I mean? Because of my knee, but which is a good thing because I probably end up killing myself. But um, yeah, I was I was out for three years, man. And in and, and, and that time, I remember after that, after my surgery, I was up on a BOSU ball, a chair the next day, hitting the bag. Like, this is not going to be the reasons why. I don't know what it was, but it was as soon as that doctor told me that I'd never fight again. I was like, no, I can feel it inside of me. That kind of that flame rekindling a little bit, you know, and over time, me going back to the gym and, and uh, doing the things that I was able to do. I couldn't move around. I couldn't do anything. Um, I did. I had a cadaver tissue for a new ACL. And I remember the doctor telling me. You know, five months in after the surgery, your knee is going to feel great, but your ACL is going to be at its weakest point. And I didn't listen to my doctor. I went out there, started flipping around, ended up twisting my knee again, had to go back under the needle. They had to add more tissue to that ACL and they repaired my meniscus. I couldn't put any weight on that leg for six to eight weeks. And it's crazy. You're, it takes your whole life to get your quads to where they are today. It only took eight weeks for my quad to be as big as my calf. That's how much it attributed. It was That's ridiculous. Crazy. And it took me three years to get my, my legs back to where they need to be to fight three years. Mm. So um, did I ever think I was going to fight? Like, would I ever believe the doctor at any point? Not at all. I didn't believe him. And I still see that doctor today. I saw him not too long ago, uh, a few weeks ago to check out my hand and my my leg. And still to this day, like every time I see him, it's like, you told me, 
you told me you were going to do this again, you know? And, um, I didn't let it, I didn't let that know be the reason for me not to do what I love to do. And, you know, and that's the thing with, with a lot of people, they're not willing to put in the work. Yeah. They're not willing to fight through adversity. And I don't know if it's because they've never been there before. They never experienced hard work. And it's kind of sad to say that people have never been in some kind of hard situation, but you know, here in the U S and America, we're so everybody, you live in America, it doesn't matter where you are status wise, you're living the dream. man. Mm. if you've ever been to any other places, like any, some rough places, Oh yeah, you're living the dream, man. So, you know, it's, it's crazy to say that, you know, I, I'm blessed to be able to grow up in the martial arts because it's helped me be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yep. It's people have put me, you have put me in some uncomfortable situations, man. Some, <laughs> some places where I feel like I couldn't breathe, like, like claustrophobic type situations where, oh my God, I just wanted to tap. And I'm like, I'm not going to tap. I'm not going to tap. So, you know, I, I'm the martial arts and wrestling for you has helped you. I think giving you that, that mindset to help you put you in those kind of situations, but I wasn't going to let me, wasn't going to let that be the end of my career. So, so that doctor deserves a thank you. He yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Dr. Folk, old Dr. Folk. Dr. Folk, you created Wonder Boy. You created an animal. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here if, he, if uh, I think if those words never came out of his mouth. All right. I want to lay this up now. I want to go to some funny <clears throat> things. Um, well, first off, we got to tell a story about how you are the NMF. <clears throat> I wanted to get in this earlier, but I, I missed it. Um, but there has been a couple circumstances where I've seen you not be so nice, uh, not not really deserve the NMF title anymore. And it's when there's a movie on and someone's yes. talking during a movie. It's in his genes. It's his. It's in his blood. His dad is the same way. You don't want to talk during a movie uh, with Mr. T around, even if it's the coming attractions. That's who <laughs> I get it from. That's who I get matter. it from. matter. So do you want me to tell a story about the movie theater? In Long I Island? think you, I think you, you tell it you better. Tell, you want you, you want me tell, to tell it better. All right. So, and you could, you could interject at any time okay. and tell me I'm wrong or whatever, but um, so we're at this movie theater with me, uh, one, the boy and like two other friends. And there's some kids behind us. It's kind of a packed movie theater and the coming, the coming, I call it the coming attractions. I don't know if there's another word for it, but the previews, oh, the previews. All right. So the previews are on, and I'm not the biggest movie guy, but I enjoy movies, but I'm not like super into it like this guy over here. And uh, so the the previews are on and these kids, I guess, are just talking behind us. They're eating the popcorn, relaxing. Whoa, they were talking loudly. They were talking loudly. They were talking loudly. And, and Wonder Boy is to my left. And all of a sudden, I just feel Wonder Boy, I just feel his presence just turn and look behind him and just stare. <laughs> and so I look, I see he's looking at these kids and then he turns back around. He's still watching, you know, the previews. So he turns around again. He stares at these kids and he's just looking at them. And I'm looking at him like, Whoa, what is he? What is Wonder Boy doing? Like staring at these kids. And he turns back around again. I'm like, now, now I'm starting to catch on. Like, is he pissed that they're talking right now? <laughs> and next thing I you know, it he turns around. He's like, shut up. He's like, don't freaking talk during the movie. They're like, it's just the previews. He's like, I don't care. I paid to be in here and I want to watch the I want to watch the previews. <laughs> and he turns back around. And I'm like, looking at him. Oh, I'm like, are we about thing. to fight these kids right now? Yeah, we were about. To, I was about to fight these. You would have to be my backup. 
Yeah. And I, you know what, Gino, we saw a silent place too. And Gino came with me and Carrie, my girlfriend and another friend. And same thing. Almost, almost had to, almost had to fight some people. Okay. For one, if I pay for a movie for a cinematic adventure, I want to, I want to hear the previews. I want to get into the previews. And that's one thing I hate missing. I want to see the upcoming attractions. Yeah. You know, I've always been that, that way as a, you know, as a kid. Now, obviously, technology is crazy. You can literally go online and see all, all the previews coming up. But that's my jam. If I go to a movie, I want to see the previews, man. I want to get excited about the previews, getting into the next movie, getting to the, the film. And you cannot talk. That's something that my dad, it's rubbed off on me, man. You bump his seat. If you talk during a movie theater, he's saying something to you. I don't care if you're five years old. This is his thing. You bump his seat. He does this every time. You bump his seat, he'll go. Super dramatic. He'll go. <laughs> and just stare at you. Don't even say anything. I just I've stare seen at it. you. I've seen it. And I'll, <laughs> and even I'll, in the house with family members. You got like Hayden in the back, maybe like a little snarkle. And you just. Dude. And then I'll, I'll look back at the same time. And the person that he has no idea. Sometimes, And usually it's just some kid or some teenager. And they're just sitting there, like just looking down on my dad like this. Don't even say anything. They just have a staring, a staring battle at that moment. And I'm like, all right, who's going to blink first? Like it's an epic battle before the movie. This miniature, you know, in game war, Thanos versus the Avenger battle of the stare. And my dad wins every time. Yeah, he ain't losing. There's no the way guy, he's losing. The guy, the, he'll force that guy. Dad will sit there and look at him until the guy looks at the guy next to him and starts talking to him. <laughs> oh, my God. Your dad's the best. Oh, <laughs> Lord. Yo, you, I want to get into some other crazy yeah, stories. Go for it. Go um, for it. And I'll let you just kind of take it. But I'm going to name, I'm just going to give some key words. And I just want you to go into it. Let's, and I and I, I did talk to Tony about some of these to come oh, up with some Lord. better, even better ideas. Um, all right. On top of your, on top of the karate school. With a bunch of fourteen-year-old kids <laughs> eating pizza, yeah, give me, that, give me that, give me that story. All because right. some people don't realize how much you are literally. You're thirty-eight years old now. Thirty-eight now. But you are literally, you are a kid at heart. I am. And uh, it just so this like is, a really cool, this is hysterical. Fun thing. Yeah, go really ahead. Cool idea. Go ahead. God, why am I blurry, Chris? I don't know. I don't want to ruin the podcast because I'm blurry. Okay. I think it's so. Cool. My brothers and sister, my sister Lindsay, my brother Evan moved away to Dallas, uh, Texas. So it's me and my brother Tony pretty much hanging out all the time. He's in high school. He's probably a senior, maybe. No, he told me he was 14. He's a was, freshman in no, high school. He, was, he said he was okay, 14 okay. or 15. He might, like have been, he might have been a freshman. So him and his buddies, I'm their ride everywhere they go. I'm their ride. So we're just hanging out at the karate school. And... They're at Hillcrest, new new school, because I went to Hillcrest. I know, like, all the teachers there and everything. Uh, Hillcrest High School. And they're like, yo, it was like a Saturday night. They're like, hey, man, let's get on top of Hillcrest High School. Like, I was like, dude, let, you know, let's do it, man. You know, there's nothing else to do. We're at the karate school just having fun. Let's go do it. Small town, you know, nobody's really going to say anything. And so we get up on top of the roof, blah, 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 of, of – um, of Hillcrest High School, just just running around, just acting crazy, and then we were like, "Hey man, let's go back. I'm hungry. Let's get some pizza." And then I was like, "Hey, let's." It was super dark. It was probably one a.m. Really dark. The stars were out. Not a whole lot of lights. You can see the stars. I said, "Let's order some pizza. Get on top of the karate school and just eat under the you know under the stars. Eat eat the eat the, the pizza. Just chilling." All right, so yeah, so you, they're like fourteen, fifteen. You're twenty three ish. <laughs> 
So you're driving around. Probably. They still don't have their learner's permit. And yeah, you're getting I'm the pizza hanging around. out. And this is like three in the morning, right? So you got yeah, them out late. Yeah, it's like super late. And man. you guys are chilling on top of a high school. Ordered pizza, ordered pizza, got on top of the old karate school, which is a like a little mini mall, right? Our old school. Oh, so you're on top of the karate sure. school's building. On top of the karate school. Yeah. And there's like our, there's like our school and like tea shops and barber shops and all and like down this little mini mall. So we get up on top of it and we got the pizza in our hand. And there's different spots. Like we ran at, when I was a kid, we ran Simpsonville. It's like a little old town. I used to get on top of all the buildings as kids, you know, and just running around being, being a little hooligan. And uh, so there's different spots to get up on top of the, on top of the building. Well, there was this one really easy spot because we had pizzas and drinks and stuff. So we'd get up on top of there. And as soon as we get on top of there, it's kind of, it's kind of lit, you know, with lights a police officer pulls up to a stop sign right behind us and he sits there for a little bit. We're frozen. Like, is this guy going to say anything? Like we get on top of the building all the time. This is the, if he says something is, you know, this is the first time anybody's ever said anything to me. We just end up getting on top of the building, whatever he drives off. We're up there sitting in this certain spot. There's like, you get on top of this first building and there's like another ledge you get on top of pretty high up. So we get up easily, just run up the wall, get up on top of there where it's kind of dark, eating, you know, just chilling, talking about, I don't know what we're talking about, just having a good time with my brother and his buddy. And uh, next thing you know, we see this police officer get on top of the lower part and we can easily see him. He couldn't see us because we're in the shadows, you know, and he's walking up and down. He's got his flashlight. And we're like, hey, I was like, you know, we said we stayed up there because we didn't think we were doing anything that wrong, you know. And we could have easily gotten down. I was like, guys, you want to you get down? Because there was a spot right next to there. He would have never saw us. We would have gotten down easily and just gotten away. So we were like, nah, let's just let's chill. And then next thing you know, like 20 minutes later, he comes back. Like two more police officers get on top of the bill. I was like, okay, they're looking for us. These guys are looking for us right now. So we're just staying quiet, just eating. We're still eating the pizza. And the police officer gets to the ledge and he's like, can barely see over the ledge and he uses his flashlight and he's like, freeze. He's like yelling at us. Don't move. Stay right there. And I'm like, okay. I was like, we're not going anywhere. And then he flashes his light on me. He's like, he's like, look boys, it's one boy. <laughs> he's like, Steven, Wonderboy boy Thompson. Oh my goodness. Oh, you're in for it now, pal. You know, he's like trying to act tough. And yeah. I knew this guy, I knew this police officer, you know, and <laughs> afterwards, I saw him at like Walmart or something. He's like, man, I'm so sorry. I was so mean. My commanding officer was there. So I had to act tough. Oh, really? And, oh, he was so mad. He was like, he was like, he told his, uh, one of the deputies like, Hey, call the fire department. I'm going to need a ladder to get on top of this. Like, no, you don't need a ladder. We can just get down. We can just jump down. And it was so funny. Cause we didn't just jump down. We were like flipping down like ninjas. You know what I mean? Like it's so easy. And I was like, you know, I didn't think we were doing it wrong. I was like, we could have gotten down easily. You never saw us up there. You wasn't trying to be disrespectful or anything. And he was just, he was just being Hang on. When Tony was telling me the story, I think the funniest part was that when the cops started coming and you guys realized the cops were there, that you like pulled them together. Like, all right, this is what we're going to do. If they come up here, we're going to get down this way. We're going to slide down this pole. Yeah, I had a game plan. But apparently like they surrounded you. So you guys couldn't do that. You kind of had to give up. And he said, when you guys got down, they're like asking like, you know, Tony's friend, his name and, you know, his age. And then Tony, his age and like where he's from. And they're like oh, you know, 14 years old, both of them. And then like, wait, wait, I, was, I was getting to that. I was getting to that way. Hold okay, on, hold on. okay. So we're flipping down. 
Okay. Like, like a bunch of ninjas. These guys are like getting on their knees and their, their butts and having to shuffle off the building, you know? And one of the police officers dropped his, his, uh, his flashlight and our buddy Joseph picks it up and does this really cool ninja move where he spins it around, you know, and it spins around his hand and grabs it. And like, he's like, here you go. And like hands the police officer, his weapon, you know, it's like, you know, these dudes could probably beat the crap out of you guys and gotten away with it, but or yeah. whatever, he's gotten yeah. away. Yeah. And then we're next thing, you know, we're still on the hood of their car and he's all, oh, I want to tell Mr. T. And at the time, like they were living like probably 15, 20 minutes away because their house was being built, right? They're, they're okay, the house yeah. living in now. Yeah. And, uh, and it was so late, you know, my dad was going to be pissed. Uh, it was so late. And He's looking at, he's going down the line. He's like three of our friends. And then Tony, he's like, how old are you? He's like 14. How old are you? 15. How old are you? He's like, and uh, Tony's like, I'm 14. And he looks at me. He's like, Steven, how old are you? I'm like, 25. <laughs> I'm like a grown man. Up there just amazing. chilling around, just hanging out. Yeah. And oh, it was terrible. My dad got called up there. And he, of course, my dad had it. He was pissed. But I think he was laughing at it more than he was just pissed. But he had to act pissed in front of the police officers. You yeah, know, I love it. Oh my god, that was crazy. Hey, I want to like we have time probably for two more stories. So I'm gonna give you some choices. Either the neighborhood pool story. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Oh okay. my god. Okay, so either that one. I'll give you some choices. The gun in your dad's car. Um, the warrant for the bomb guy, Drano. Just giving some keywords out to you or the, the swing sets and other people's backyards and all that. Okay. There's a lot uh, of get, those. There's a lot of those that I can talk about and one that I cannot <laughs> talk about. Okay. We'll talk about, okay. So growing up, we lived in a neighborhood. Um, I'm not going to mention this neighborhood's name, but uh, we were freaking ninjas, moves. man. Yeah. Um, and I did this up until I was like early twenties, man. Me and my brother, even when we were teenagers, we lived there for a long time. When I was in you know, elementary school, middle school, even high school, on the weekends, of course, I'm, I'm, I was a freaking ninja. You know, going to the martial arts, I had like a ninja suit. I would run around the neighborhood, and me and my buddies, at when we were in like middle school, um, like I took it seriously. Like I really wanted to be a freaking ninja. I still do. I'm still wanting to be a, a freaking ninja. Yeah. So I had it down pat. I was so good, man. I would even go out by myself. Because my brother's like, hey, bro, let's go do ninja. They're like, no, nah, man, I want to sit here and play video games, whatever. I would go out by myself and just perfect my craft of being a ninja. <laughs> this is great. Running up, running up like six foot fences, flipping off, you know, hiding from people. You know, just I would be, people would be driving up in their car, walking into their house, and I would be right there in the bush. Not even like from me. Like I, I would say for me to you, but you're pretty far away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. For me know. to like, this like two or three felt, feet. right yeah. here, right. Yeah. And they would never see me. I was like, I was just, I was just freaking good. Yeah. And me and my brothers and our buddies. So you would want to get to cl as, as close to the action as possible without being oh, seen. That was your goal. 100%. Like as crazy and scary as possible without getting yep. caught. Yep. Without getting caught. And I was, I was, we were freaking good. I was, we were freaking so good, man. We would do things. So we would take it to the next level where, you know, me and my brother, who is also our part we had we had created our ninja clan right and, and you're in your buddies. 20s at this point could we just i know you've done it since well it young, started also it started when i was younger yeah right me and my brother and our friends and we would go around and we would go to cul-de-sacs and change everything around like everybody had reefs plants 
and we would switch everything swing sets we would switch it right the whole swing set so you know people when they woke up the next morning they're like i know i have plants but these aren't my plants on my porch like where are my plants like i i know i have a swing set but that's not my swing set like where did this thing come from and we would drive by, like we would, we would walk by and everybody would be switching stuff. Like, and like the next day, just be switching stuff. And people would leave their garage doors open at night and we would go in there. It would take us, I don't care how long it took. It would take us like an hour, sometimes two hours. We would pull everything out of their garage. Everything. I'm talking like the only thing we didn't pull out was the car. They would be back. Uh, we would drive by or walk by the next day. I mean, in the heat summer and they're just sweating, pulling everything back into their house. You know, they never left the garage door open ever again. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So nothing was stolen. It was just moved. We just moved it. We just moved everything. Uh, We pulled out and sit in the front yard. I remember one time this guy, I mean, he must have been a hoarder in his garage, but we pulled everything out, everything to the smallest little thing out and put in his front yard. It was so funny. (laughs) So we were ninjas, right? And I was probably maybe I just graduated high school and I had two buddies over at the house. They were watching some, so I think Oscar De La Hoya was fighting somebody. And that's how long ago that was. Oscar De La Hoya was fighting somebody. It was me, my buddy, Matt, and another buddy of ours. I think it might've been Tony, but I see, we, we live two houses away from the pool. And I look out the window, it was fairly late. And I see this car drive up to the pool. I'm sitting in my bedroom and I look out the window and they dropped three people off at the pool. I'm like, quality ninja time. Let's go. So me and my buddies, we got dressed up. Tony, we got dressed up. We go to the pool. And at the pool, they have this little chain, this little uh, white picket fence that goes all the way around it. So we go to the back end. And you, the pool's closed. And I know that you're not supposed to do the pool. And you're not going to get there on my pool and mess around on my watch. Right? <laughs> When I live, this is my neighborhood. The guys. ninjas are watching. The ninjas are watching. So we were just going to like make some noise. Just kind of scare them a little bit. But, but um, we were listening in and it was a girl and two guys. And they were probably high school, maybe, maybe, maybe just graduated. And I, they were talking like one of the kids was like, you know, how many times you go down on this guy? I'm like, wait, what? Are you, I know some blow jays aren't being given on my, on, at my neighborhood pool. <laughs> blow jays. <laughs> no blow jays, man. Not on my watch. No blow jays on my watch. So they're literally right next on the other side of the, uh, of the pool, right next to the fence. And we ninja our way around literally, I mean, super close, not, not even two feet. And I, we're so close. I didn't give my buddies any warning. I didn't give them any warning. One kid on the other side of the fence had his pants all the way down, right? He was so unprepared what was about to happen next. All of them were. <laughs> I didn't tell my buddies. All I said was one, two, three. And I was like, mother, what the? And I jump over the fence, just yelling and cussing as loud as I can, yeah. right? The kid with his pants down, I shove him in the pool because he can't <laughs> run away. This other kid tries to jump over the fence. I stick him in the back. He's like, ah, he falls down. And the girl takes off running down the, down the road. And my buddy runs after her like, I know where you live. Don't you ever come back here ever again. Dude, it was so. That is man. amazing. It How old were you so at this point? Funny. Think? And be I, just, I had just graduated uh, probably high school. 
Oh, I just okay. graduated high school. All right. So how old that was, was probably Tony? Like so Tony was like eight. Uh, no, he was probably in middle school. He was probably late. Was he eight years, he, so he's eight years younger. Than yeah, you. I pulled Tony. Anything that we did, Tony was with us. I made I sure it. Tony was with us, man. Tony Tony's was with got, us. Got yeah, it was so funny, man. It was so funny. So that was another. So we used to, we used to pull stuff out of people's garages. We would change cul-de-sacs around, switch reeds, switch plants, switch swing sessions. Oh yeah. my gosh, it was nuts, man. We we, had, we terrorized that neighborhood. And we you were, may we were actually in the, the neighborhood flyers. They called us the 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 shadow men or something like that. You know, <laughs> keep an eye out for the shadow guys. Yeah, you guys had like us. a warrant out for your arrest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's like 20 years ago now. So you're I think you're yeah, it's safe. It's I don't good. think they could come after you anymore. No, no. I mean, if I could and do this and get away with it without getting shot now, I would probably still do it. I know. Still be yeah. a ninja. The ninjas are still out there, so be careful in your. I mean, it communities. got to the point that we we had like earpieces. We had walkie talkies. You know what I mean? We would have. We would make these Drano. We would get uh, these little Coke bottles and fill them with Drano, <laughs> and then you would put aluminum foil in it, and it created a gas where the the bottle would just expand and blow up. So we had this alleyway that went from one end of the neighborhood all the way to the other end, and it was where neighborhood fences kind of backed up to each other and then they would never touch. So it created this dark alleyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just called it dark alley. We meet up at dark alley. We can, we can travel from one in the neighborhood without getting being seen without any light, just complete darkness. So we would have these earpieces in and we would make like a bag full of these Drano bombs and we would all split up and we would just plant these, these Drano bombs everywhere 2 AM. And we would meet back up and and you would put a little bit of aluminum foil and gave you time to get away. The more aluminum foil, the faster the, cre- the gas would create. So you had these, these bombs we would plant, these explosions we would plant, we would meet back up and just sit there and just listen to these things go off. Ooh, I mean, just all over the neighborhood. Sound like just, uh, you know, like, uh, what was it? Um, Freaking! What was the what was that freaking war where Japan came and started starting bombing us? Freaking um, World War Two? No. Oh. Japan. Oh, World War One. No. no. <laughs> Pearl Harbor. We're gonna edit like this we part out. Pearl Harbor, baby. Yeah. yeah. It just sounded like we were just yeah. I just kind of ruined that one, but uh, American it, uh, history. It was 101. crazy. It was wild, man. We did some pretty stupid stuff in that neighborhood. Where they were, they were probably glad to get rid of us when we moved out. They're like, finally, the yeah. Thompsons have left. The that Thompson boys can't can't terrorize the neighborhood anymore I but love yeah it. it was fun dude it was so fun yeah i don't think yeah people don't realize how much of a, a little kid you are and i think I if if it was an option you'd still be if there was other people to do it with right now you'd be doing that 100 i'd be out long. right now i'd be out right now yeah. ufc fighter gets arrested for <laughs> for terrorizing in a neighborhood yes yes he definitely would. if anybody's interested in doing it he's ready to start the clan come he's talk in. to me let's go um, start the clan back up so Chris, you're gonna be in it I you want to, but hey, I'm in. I'm I'm down to do it. I'll help come up with the plans. <laughs> All right, one the boy. Well, we have been now talking for an hour and thirty minutes. Wow, I think like are, been talking for I think you're minutes. officially my longest guest uh, in yes! the uh, long reign of the Won't Back Down podcast. So, 
that says a lot. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. Um, we got to do this again. I'm going to have to uh, have you on again. And then uh, one day I'm going to come on your podcast that yes. you do with Tony. After um, my fight, you're on. You're going to be in person. Yeah. Yeah. I want to do in person too. You're going to come yeah. to my house finally, okay. which you still haven't came to. I know. I haven't. Stuff always comes up on the weekend when I want to come over there. Yeah, I'm teaching classes. I have to freaking teach my dad's class because he's out of town. Tons of excuses. Um, I know he's leaving Jesus. this weekend too. I'm here by myself. Moved to South Carolina. One of the boy but doesn't come say hi to me. But I'll go to him though. It's okay. It's all right, Chris. I'm sorry. It's all right. I know. <laughs> um, all right, buddy. I, I actually I'll probably see you this week. I'm gonna come. We're gonna come in town and uh, probably do some YouTube stuff. I was talking to Tony. Really? What yeah, you gonna before. do? I don't know. Yeah. What do you mean? Stuff with you. We're gonna do something. We're gonna do Wait, something cool this week. Let's go. Yeah, we go big collab. All right. Collab. Big let's collab collaboration. Collab it up. I appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks for having me, buddy. Love you, dude. And Troy, you you the man, buddy. Thank you, Troy. And we'll catch you on the flip side. How about Steven, how he's just such a little kid? At 25 years old, he's sitting on top of his karate school, ordering pizza for 14-year-olds at 3 in the morning, and uh, just trying to figure out ways to hide from the cops that are trying to get them down from the roof. Oh, my gosh. And then for him to be running around neighborhoods as a ninja in his early 20s, just (laughs) beating up people at the pool (laughs) because they're doing things they shouldn't be doing or, you know, switching up uh, people's, you know, Christmas decorations from one house to the other. I mean, it's some hysterical stuff that this guy has done, and I'm so happy he was sharing it. Um, We didn't include it in the podcast, but if you didn't know, Wonderboy is a huge fan of movies and especially Marvel series, Harry Potter, Naruto, Dragon Ball Z, Lord of the Rings. Uh, So I actually challenged him to some trivia. And if you want to go check out that video, just head on over to Chris Weidman YouTube channel, where shorter clips of today's podcast are also available. And guess what, guys? In some breaking news, won't back down by Chris Weidman, is now available on Apple Podcasts. So I can now sound like a real podcaster and ask all of you to follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. If you guys can all do me a huge favor and head on over to Apple and rate and review the show, that would mean so much to me. I really appreciate it. And if you want more of Wonderboy in your life, just head on over to his Instagram, Wonderboy MMA, and his YouTube channel, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. I'll be back next week with another great guest. But until then, I'm Chris Weidman, and this is Won't Back Down. Thanks for listening.